Visit us anytime at youtube.com slash yuckyucks to watch stand-up comedy clips of some of your favorite comedians. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. This is Nikki Payne with a bit of a cold, and you're listening to Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy I don't think so. What? What? Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. With your host, Jake Hirsch. What's going on, my little yucca maniacs? Welcome to another fine edition of the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. I am your host, of course, Jake Hirsch. Thank you for joining me on this another amazing episode. We have a great guest today, a young man by the name of Garrett Clark. Garrett Clark is our guest today. Uh, I, will, I will get into that interview in just a few moments. Uh, it's been a very fun-filled couple of weeks for me. I got to get up on stage again at a uh, little comedy festival that we put on out here in Cochrane, Alberta. Uh, huge thing for me. First time I ever promoted a comedy show before. Did okay. Did okay. Met some great people and uh, had an absolute blast. Um, yeah, amazing time. And any time that you get to be around very seasoned uh, you know, veterans of comedy, people have been in this game for you know, years and years and years. Uh, it's always a blessing because you always walk away with some type of insight, some some type of knowledge that you that you didn't have before. And I, I've met people definitely that you know you meet them and and you just you just know right off the bat this is not working. This is not we're not clicking here. We're not firing in all cylinders, cylinders uh, rather. And, and that has happened to me before. I have interviewed people where I'm just like, you know what? This is not going as planned. It's like prying answers from people. But I have to say, since I've started doing the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast, it's, it's been butter. It's been absolute melted, delicious butter. Everybody I've met, I have just gotten along with very, very well. You know, un- un- unless I'm, you know, out to lunch. I mean, there could be uh, people that, that, you know, don't share that same experience as, as I do. They could walk away and say, Jesus, that guy was, you know, what an ass. What an asshole. Right? But no, I, it, it, you know, every experience that I've had so far meeting comedians for this show has been an absolute uh, home run. We just happened to, you know, get into very comfortable conversation. Um, either that is a testament to my interviewing abilities, ladies and gentlemen. I'm giving myself a little pat on the back here. Or it could be a, a great testament to uh, just how nice people are. And maybe that comedians are so used to dealing with the public all the time that, uh, you know, they just know how to be nice. They're nice people. Not everybody is nice. Sometimes you interview people that are complete, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to say it. Anyway, it's been great. And the interviews that I have been doing... I've 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 changed the format a little bit, and I'm not sure if everybody has picked up on that yet. But I have changed the format. At the very beginning, a lot of my interviews have to do with research. They have to, I ask questions. I do a lot of background uh, fact checking and stuff like that. Um, and that interview style is is great, but I don't want it to always feel that it needs to be a setup for answers on every single question. I want people to talk. I want them to bring up their own 
uh, stuff. I want them to ask me questions too. I want it to feel like it's a normal conversation. And that's truly what I set out to do on all of, you know, all the shows that I do. I really want it to feel like it is a true, genuine conversation that if you walked into the kitchen to grab a beer at a party and you just happen to see, you know, somebody uh, sitting there, you know, cracking a beer and you just walk over, hey, hey, how's it going, man? Good to meet you. And you just start talking. I want it to feel like that. So I go into these interviews very, very informed. So uh, I do my homework in a sense of if an interview does start to go south, I can, you know, I can bring up those facts. I can ask questions. I can, I can kind of, you know, steer it to where I want it to go. But I really find that if I just ask questions based off of what their answers are to me, material that I don't really know what they're going to, you know, what they're going to say, what the answer is going to be. I find that questions built out of those are a lot better questions than ones that are set up. So I'm trying that out. So bear with me. That's the interview style. I just start talking. We just start going like it's a couple of people, a couple of buddies at a party getting to know each other. And I really like that feel. And I hope you guys do too. This interview, Garrett Clark, young man, grew up in Australia, uh, you know, spent some time there. He still carries the accent with him. Uh, I love Australian accents, by the way. I don't know what it is. Uh, there's something very uh, addicting to uh, accents. And uh, it's just ones that are, 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 they sound educated all the time. Like British. British accents are great because you could, you can be, you know, you could just have a British accent and not know anything, but you still come off as, as sounding very, very smart which is just brilliant, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, Garrett has a Australian accent. He sounds, you know, like uh, Hugh Jackman, for God's sake, you know. Um, great guy. And every Australian I've, I've met, just for some reason, are very extremely, one, good-looking, two, always have that look, that youthfulness in their face that they've never seen a bad day, and three, that everybody surfs in Australia for some reason. Everyone has a golden tan. Everybody looks young. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how well the Australians look and, uh, and just the energy that they bring with them. Every day's a party, it feels like, uh, with Australian people. Anyway, uh, my point being is I sat down with Garrett, and we just had a great time. He actually came out to the Yuck Yuck uh, Comedy Podcast Studios located here in Cochrane, Alberta. Um, and yeah, we sat in studio live one-on-one. -on -one. He sat right here and we, we chatted and it was, like I said, it was a great interview, great guy, funny stories. And uh, yeah, absolute pleasure. Um, go check him out. If you have not had a chance to look him up, go to uh, our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash yuck yucks. You can find all your favorite comedians you can you know, see clips of them and, and all their stand-up and stuff like that. Check it out, guys. It's a great archive. Um, lots of great shows coming up. Stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter. Give me a shout-out. Jake Hirsch, EG, on Twitter. And, of course, use the hashtag YYCP. Um, and you can find me on Facebook. You can find me all over the place, except for Instagram. It's just, that's a locked account. There's some legal stuff happening. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, uh, Twitter, best way to get a hold of me, at Jake Hirsch, EG. And uh, stay tuned, guys. Great episodes coming up. But for the time being, let's go down under and talk to Garrett Clark.
My name is glowing though. The egomaniacal comic name. It's like, thank you. That makes me very comfortable. Seeing my name glowing. We are we are recording. I'm sitting down in studio with the uh, ever so lovely Mr. Garrett Clark. Garrett, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming out, man. Dude, thanks for having me. This is a beautiful spot. We got some romantic mood mood lighting in here. We've got uh, the Rocky Mountains behind us. We uh, this oh is- in Canada, it's only what 20 minutes from Calgary. That's it. You pull in. You're staring at the mountains the whole time. Coming yeah. to this lovely, wholesome little cul-de-sac <laughs> where it looks like a real human being with a real family lives, and then you walk into a garage and then your name is in lights and there's a comfortable couch and it's yeah. perfect. This is the closest to the Howard Stern show I think we're ever going to get. I think, well, right? maybe. We'll maybe get a couple midgets in here and some, <laughs> some, some weird just some weird random unexplained <laughs> freaks to stand and pipe in from time to time and then, then you got it. Oh man. Well hey, thanks for joining me and coming out and, and uh, spending some time with me and, and for of course all the listeners out there who might not know who you are, although they should know who you are uh, you're you're kind of like this Canadian Australian mix kind of. Uh... I've only just recently sort of labeled myself as just a global citizen because <laughs> I I grew up in Australia but was born in Canada. Right. Then lived you know and started comedy in Canada again right, after I was right. brought up in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I moved to LA for six months. I didn't know how long it would be, but it was six months and just moved back to Canada two weeks ago. Wow. Um and you know and I've been in the UK recently as well. So it's just I don't even know what That's I am. <laughs> I'm just a guy. You're just you know? a guy. You know on Twitter how they make you have like your city name? The big, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I don't even know what to... I move every Global. two months. Like, I'm just the world, Earth. <laughs> Plan- planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the very beginning, obviously, where it all started for you. Uh, before you went to Australia, in Canada, where, where were you born? Born in Toronto and uh, lived uh, in the Toronto area till I was about four. Right. Parents split. Mum came out here to take a break from it all, right. here being Lake Louise, Banff. Oh, nice. Met an Australian, as yeah. you do in the mountains. Uh, <laughs> he he wasn't a lifty, though. Um, and uh, he was on vacation skiing. Right. They fell in love. He took us down to Sydney, raised us there as wow. my stepdad. Then they split up when right. I was about 14, so 10 years or so with him. Yeah. And we moved back to Canada, Toronto area, where my mum was from, right. which at that point my sister and I had no recollection of because we were pretty, sure. pretty young. Yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, yeah, did high school out there, started stand-up in Toronto, and then uh, got wise, discovered the West, right. and uh, and I was out here for about 10 years. Yeah, I was reading that you obviously had spent some time out, out in the West, yeah. West area, Kelowna and all that Yeah, this is kind of home. I was in Vancouver for the last two years, oh, okay. uh, two or three, but Kelowna for a good seven, Right. Uh, and even spent a year in Calgary here, just all over the, the Western Crazy, parts. But man. Crazy. This is what I really consider home, is Western yeah. Canada. So tell me, before you got into comedy, though, were you the performing type were yeah. you really big into yeah, performing could, for the family and stuff? I, yeah i was i i always wanted to be a comedic actor right. for as long as i can remember that and a pilot um <laughs> i've always the two things that i still sort of dabble in now are always what i wanted to do so right. i'm lucky for having that clarity so young yeah um but uh but yeah i i wanted i didn't know in what capacity stand-up never really tickled my fancy that much until i started coming down to yuck yucks right when i was actually 16 and hanging out and watching it no way tried it right it went fine it went well i kept coming back to the amateur nights at yuck yucks right uh, in Toronto, and uh, and that's just sort of what grabbed me, and and I, I ran with it for seems like a, uh, eleven years now. That's crazy, man. So mm-hmm. many comedians I talk to have been in the game for such a long time, but mm-hmm. 
they don't consider it to be a long time. Is it? Is it because when you look at people in the business that have that, that are that are doing really well now, it's because they've spent so much time? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, because whenever you get into another level of what it is that you do, you realize how early in you are i think once your standards raise and once your your goals raise sure. to to i mean at the beginning your goals are just to get a pro spot on right. a, on a weekend like you may be a guest spot at a club on a friday or saturday and then that is an amazing goal and you yeah. get it it's yeah. a huge rush but then it's like okay what's the next thing let's try to go for a paycheck right right oh my god Two, a couple years later you get a paycheck doing stand up <laughs> telling jokes <laughs> what is this for real and then you know the, yeah and then that just keeps growing and and so even though i've been doing it 11 years now which you know it seems like a long time it's really not yeah you see these guys that just start hitting it and they've been doing it 20 25 years and they start getting a name and people start talking about them and it's right it's right. a it's a journey man it's a lifelong thing i think it certainly is is it something that uh, that you think that you were it was like a natural thing for you to where were you always comfortable on stage um yeah i for some reason this was always natural i could always do impressions and uh, uh, I ended up hosting a couple of talent shows at school. I did some musicals. Right. Uh, I worked with Second City at the beginning yeah, when I was 17. Huge, man. Huge. So yeah. I was kind of doing everything, trying to figure out where I belonged right. uh, in the whole thing. And stand-up, again, seemed to be the thing that just got its claws into me. And, and uh, it's addicting, yeah. uh, which you probably know at this oh, point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, even this early in your career. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for some reason, I was always comfortable uh, doing it. Uh, it was just about writing that was my my challenge yeah 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 yeah. take me back to your first stand-up days though i mean when you started getting some of those influences uh in the business before you got on stage who were you looking up to back then Jim Carrey was always my guy. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. Uh, as cliche as that sounds for a lot of people, and oh, I think it, it was for a lot of people though. Yeah, he was my also because I went to high school in Newmarket, and that's where he was that's from. That's where he's from, right? And uh, like there was a lot of weird similarities, so I was trying to keep up with him for the first few years of my career. I started when I was seventeen. Right. Um, that was the first time I did stand up, and I just he was fifteen or something, I think. Yeah, so yeah. I was always trying to like, oh, got to do it. Right. And then the impression thing as well. I could do impressions really well, and. So when I went up my first year, it was really just talking a little bit about Australia because that was the obvious thing. I sounded even more Australian then, so right. I had to explain that. <laughs> right. Um, and then it was really just an excuse to get into some impressions, which <laughs> looking back was extremely hacky and uh, <laughs> it's painful to watch. But hey, man, it was, uh, I didn't know. That's, I think you go with what you like, you what, what you know, and what, what you're, you're comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, and, and the audience has liked it, but yeah. now I'm kind of like, ugh. It's been, it's been done. It's been done so many times. And something about that Australian accent, man. That's uh, I, I took my daughter up to Banff, and uh, there, there is, as you mentioned, there's a lot of expats from Banff, from Australia uh, in some of the tourist areas because there's. And I ended up asking. I asked the. I think it was our. It was like the waiter or something at the restaurant, and he came over, and this guy was just, you know, of course, looked like a model, and he had the Australian <laughs> accent. And my daughter is just swooning. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, what is it with how do you Australians come over here? And he said that there's a really like they're really lenient on the visas for Australians to come over mm-hmm. here and work. And uh, but there's something about the accent that people just it's just they gravitate towards. It's you know I, I think we're very friendly, worldly people, <laughs> and and they're everywhere too. Honestly, I was I remember being in Paris. Like Aussies are just global people. Yeah, I was in Paris and I, I thought I'd do a little experiment outside the Louvre. Right, and I went Aussie, 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 and somewhere in the distance I heard Oi, Oi, no. Oi. That's <laughs> no the international yeah. sort of war cry thing. So no shit. But particularly in in North America, particularly um, even down in Colorado in the ski hills there, there were right. a lot of Aussies. Uh, yeah, you know it's just we don't really have those. Mountains. 
mountains down there. We've got some snowy mountains, right, right. but they're certainly not to the level of the Rockies. So, I mean, sure. I think after school, a lot of Australians come up and want to do the the ski hill thing and, you know. Do some adventure. Yeah, do something different. See yeah. a different part of the world. So That's true. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Every Australian person I've met has just been... They've been a party, man. It's been like yeah, they're, they're they're always down to have a good time. There's <laughs> never anybody in a bad mood. I've never met an Aussie yeah. that's like in a bar fight or like ready to well, go. Well, it happens, believe me. <laughs> and uh, I, I find the Aussies that are abroad are a little obnoxious too. They're a little loud, a little overbearing. Some, I mean, right. friendly people, but yeah, they give us sometimes a bit of a bad name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the ones down in Australia are a little bit more or a little bit different. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So take me through, like, okay, so you got up on stage when you're when you're like 17 years old Mm -hmm. at that moment in time, did you think to yourself, this is what I was made to do? Like, this is what I'm on to something. You know, I knew even before um, I started doing it. And again, I don't know where that comes from, but it just, I had a ridiculous pull to, to, comedy clubs yeah um and when i did it you know it wasn't fantastic but it certainly wasn't a bomb right and i remember the dude hosting the show jack norman who was notoriously douchey to a lot of <laughs> young comics, comics and stuff. if they went up there and did something hacky or if they did someone else's material or something like that on the right. amateur night he would put an explosion on on the tvs next to the stage <laughs> like cut the mic and put an explosion on of like a nuclear bomb on full blast in the club so it was just this sudden <laughs> Or it was like three videos. It was either that and the person was just left on stage going, what the fuck? I can swear, right? Yeah, absolutely, right. man. And, and Are so you it was serious? Either, it was either the bomb uh, or it was footage uh, of someone getting beaten with a shovel. No. Like, so again, the mic is cut and suddenly this full blast. Everyone's like, what the hell? And then looking at this image of someone getting fucking beaten in bl- like black and white, like an old movie. Or there was this other third video. That he would put on oh that uh, was footage of an old man smacking a little boy in the face <laughs> as hard as he can. And it was it was like real, too. It was like a real... Yeah, there was whack. no special effects oh, back dude. then. So like everyone in the audience is like, oh my God. And then Jack walks up and he's like, get the fuck off stage. And <laughs> oh, it, was, it was brutal. No and way. For whatever reason, he was nice to me. And I remember just even the tone when I was getting off for yeah. the first time. He shook my hand. He was like, good job. <laughs> and it just meant the world to me. To so, have that kind of approval from some peers. For sure. And yeah. I knew just based on how much that affected me that this is obviously, it, this means the world to me even sure. more than I knew. So, yeah. Speaking of speaking of that part, and, and I digress for a second, but, you know, be, and we're going to jump ahead for a second, but, but being a professional comic now, do you, at any point in time, did you ever feel that comedy was, was competitiveness? Like there's people that have been on the road or doing this for a long time. They see someone young coming up. Mm -hmm. They see that they're getting a lot of attention. They're, you know, they're obviously making some waves. Is it always a helping hand or, or do you, have you ever felt that people were, were that's a, that's a funny question. Um, in Canada, I don't know. It's, it seems more passive aggressive. I mean, honestly, from, Coming into it brand new, you would think that there would be a lot more uh, competition and people trying to sabotage you. But to be perfectly honest, in stand-up, I've really found that it's been very helpful the the whole way through. People really do vouch for you. They go out of your way to take you out on the road as their opener. They're really nice to you. But there is a weird jealousy thing that happens Mm -hmm. from time to time that you can just feel. It's never really a spoken thing, but particularly now that I've moved to Toronto, because even though I started there, I don't really have much of a comedy history there. I, sure. I don't remember much. I just started. Right. Um, but now that I've lived so many places since, and I'm moving back as an established headliner, and yeah. I've, you know, I just got back from headlining in Scotland for two weeks. I lived in LA. I, I've toured the States with some big name comedians. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm, 
I'm qualified, validated now. Sure, yeah. So I go to Toronto and, and no one's really heard of me. And it's not that no one, people aren't nice. People are really nice. Right. But there's just this weird sort of thing when they're sizing you up at the back of a comedy club. Yeah. That because they think that you're not from Toronto and that they haven't heard from you. Right. That you're like this new comic and, and you know, yeah, they yeah, kind yeah, of have yeah. a tone. Right. But I, I suppose that leaves quickly. But, uh, <laughs> but, but honestly, I don't think I've ever really experienced anyone trying to sabotage me. Everyone is remarkably friendly and helpful in stand-up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you moving west. When you were in Toronto, obviously mm-hmm. you were getting your chops. You're kind of learning the ropes and getting, you know, some some stage at time. What was what was the move that inspired you to to, to kind of head to west? Um, I was doing Tony and Tina's wedding by the Second City. In, that's right. In that's Toronto. right. You had and some uh, some stage at time, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny. I had this thing for a while that every show that I joined, uh, it went under within six months. Like, <laughs> and, and this was a show that was running for like t- almost ten years. And Famous the, show. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. that and there was this other CBC show that I hosted as well that I, as soon as I joined on, the funding got cut for it. I read so that. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. cursed for a little while. <laughs> so anyway, when Tony and Tina's wedding went under, I had just signed a lease at a new apartment in downtown Toronto doing wow. stand-up and, and, and doing the show. Sure. Uh, and then it went under and I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. So now what am I going to just... What am I going to do? Just get a normal job? Right. <laughs> so I worked in the CN Tower for one day as, a, as an elevator lifty. Uh, and I was like, fuck this. One so, day. <laughs> yeah, literally one, one day. I got so motion sick. Um, so then my sister was living in Banff. So I was right. like, screw this. I'm going to go check it out out yeah. there. Just visit her. See what's up. And uh, I, I think I sublet my apartment or something. Right. And anyway, just fell in love with the West. We took a road trip to Kelowna, saw that there was a Yuck Yuck sign there. Yeah. Um, which was, I was like, what? Where the hell am I? And there's a Yuck Yucks there? <laughs> so the next morning we woke up. Uh, it was February and it, the lake wasn't frozen. Right. It was gorgeous. Certain, yeah, yeah. And so I went to the manager at Yuck Yucks there and said, hey, I'm a comic from Toronto. Is there any chance I could do a spot any of these nights? And she was like, well, yeah, you can host. Right. You want to host? And then so I hosted the Thursday because at the time it was a three-nighter in Kelowna. Right. And uh, you can host the Thursday. So I did. She said, you want to host Friday, Saturday? Oh, shit. So basically I went to Kelowna and then we ended up just staying there because my sister and I and her boyfriend, we all just loved it. Right. And uh, she ended up letting me host every week. No way. So I was getting more stage time in Kelowna, BC. Holy and shit. hosting too, which is valuable stage time because yeah. it's not easy and you've got to you know, be on your toes. Kind of feel the crowd out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and that was it. So I ended up staying there for seven years and getting my first road gigs out of Kelowna. Dude, Kelowna's badass. Man. It is. It's, it's uh, beautiful. It's funny because I was just there a little while ago, and you kind of got this segment of real douchey, you know, the tribal tattoos oh, and, yeah. the, and the you know neck tattoos and the hopped up Fox yep. Motorsports stuff, and then you've got. Just this really eclectic kind of cool vibe of almost like a California vibe a little bit, yeah. you know, a little West Coast vibe. And, yeah. and uh, but yeah, like there's and, and obviously that's that's such a such a beautiful town, man. I would it, see that way to be hard to leave. Yeah, it is. It is eclectic uh, for sure. There, those people with the neck tattoos. It's funny. I think we get the vibe of them being from Kelowna. Right. But I think that they're people from like Maple Ridge, Coquitlam, but, as, <laughs> but as well as like Lethbridge and like Red yeah, Deer. And like, it's like, it's like all the parts in the surrounding sort of provinces, but from outside of the bigger cities. Yeah. And then they all flock there in the, in the summer. <laughs> right. So then those are just Okanaganites. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard to leave not only for that, be, because I met, uh, who's now my best buddy, Rob Ballsden in Kelowna, mm-hmm. right. um, who coincidentally, weirdest story was from the same, he was from Newmarket as well. We never met there. Mm-hmm. We, 
knew the same people. Yeah. And uh, he ended up uh, starting a couple of open mics in town on top of the Yuck Yucks rooms. Right. right. Which has grown into this huge thing, which is train wreck comedy now. He's got a casino gig out there, right? Yeah, he's got something? a ton. He's got like uh, three casino gigs, a couple wow. bar gigs, and a, 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 a pro gig on Wednesdays that used to be an open mic that's been running for five years now. Good for him. At O'Flanagan's oh, Pub. So he's, yeah, he and I just together, we just did stand up nonstop and started yeah. getting gigs on the road, and, and he's thriving out there now. So that's crazy. there was more than enough stage time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Some of your comedy has always been, or, well, it's, it's like I've, I've seen some of your stuff, and, and it's it's so funny. But like some of your observational comedy, man, it's just the day to day stuff, man. It's just it's it's brilliant. Have you always been kind of like a, more of an observational guy uh, as opposed to like a rock on tour? So, you know, someone telling stories and stuff like that. I mean, you've got a great mix. Well, that's very nice of you to say, man. Yeah, I think a lot of it just comes from me still trying to figure out who the hell I am. Right. I right. mean, I think I don't know if that's ever going to go away. I'm learning. Sure. But I mean, for the most part, I've really always just been sort of a goof. Right. right. And, you know, like I don't even realize I've stopped doing the impressions for the most part. But right. I still do all these voices and I don't notice that until people come up to me after a show and say hey man your accents are amazing where are you really from right I'm like no I'm really from Australia I'm not lying to you up there but people think that it's just it's an a act shtick. Yeah. yeah it's a shtick yeah. but um, so I you know I, I'm animated you know I'm, I'm all over the stage and just do silly voices so yeah. um, but you know like if I can think if I can write a, an observational joke then I will right I'm starting now to try to talk more about me and my life yeah. and, and that stuff because obviously there's no limit to that you're sure. not just pulling stuff out of thin in air right if you're actually tapping into the stuff you've been through and yeah. and truly i've had a pretty crazy life and been through a lot of things so well let's talk about some of that stuff because i mean you've you've traveled extensively you've, mm-hmm. you've been around i mean what's uh tell me about some of your your well, experiences uh i mean i guess just alone i mean being being raised in australia and then right. coming to canada at such a, a an interesting age to have all this attention on you as an australian as four at 14 years old in grade eight in newmarket ontario right uh, where suddenly everyone's like, what? There's an Australian here? What? Do you guys have bathrooms in Australia? Do you guys have McDonald's? And it was just this crazy amount of attention yeah, yeah. that I was really shy too, but it brought me out of my shell. Sure. So there's that. And then, you know, just, I suppose, touring Canada nonstop for the past five or six years. I've got, I got my pilot's license in Kelowna too. No I, way. I was a flight attendant as well for five right. years or six. I think, yeah, six years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just between all those really different walks, I mean, I think uh, it's shaped this sort of uh, just fountain of stories <laughs> that for some reason I haven't actually really even grazed the surface of. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's a lot there that I'm just trying to force myself to get into. Right. Have mm-hmm. you found there's, there's a big difference between American and Canadian crowds? Yes. Um, it's funny, too, because I'd been down there a couple times uh, to tour with some comics that took yeah, me on the road with some them. huge, huge um, names uh, you've been on Brian Callan took me out a couple times Dude, from Mad TV and the Hangover man. movies. Yeah. Eliza Schlesinger took me out as well down to the States. And right. So I got a little bit of a feel for it down there too. But yeah. when I moved to LA back in January, I drove down from Vancouver. Right. So I booked shows the whole way down. So I did shows in Vancouver and then I did uh, Seattle, Portland, Salem, uh, Santa Cruz, San Francisco, wow. and then LA. Yeah. So I really got the, a dramatic feeling of the differences down there. And sure. One thing that I find in the United States, I think, is the um, 
the last per minute. They're like they're used to shorter sets, right. p- particularly in LA. Right. Canada, I feel like we're bred for longevity, so we can go on the road, right. get that opening set, half hour, get that opening or get that headline set. Sure. But down there, they're doing showcase sets for Letterman, for Conan, right. for all those. Shows. So you've got to have like a tight bam, bam, three bam. minutes. Yeah. Like I, when I first went to the comedy store and I had to do three minutes, my setups are three minutes. Like <laughs> the shortest set I had done before that was seven. Right. Which right. even then I th- I think is quick. So does that make you a better comic? Uh, you know, I think it. Does does yeah I, I i think it does because yeah. it's that attention span and also i mean like really sure you can go out and perform on the road but what you want to get on tv yeah and yeah. spots are not 15 minutes on tv man they're they're short they're, sets yeah and i remember just it was just funny it's just i was watching this episode of uh louis louis ck mm-hmm. where he's uh he's going for this tonight show gig for, uh, for david letterman it's one of the only <laughs> older episodes and they sent him to this guy who is supposed to train jack what's his name jack yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I forget. Yeah, but he's, he's, it's Liam Lynch or something like that. Or yeah, something. David yeah, yeah. Lynch, rather. David Lynch. Yeah. And he's just like, make me laugh, funny man, yeah. or whatever. And it's like, that's how the pressure, they just <laughs> like, like, you got to, you know, wind it tight, buddy, you know? And yeah. I'm like, that's really crazy. And I've talked to a lot of comedians who have, who have been down in that Los Angeles scene and they performed at, at, you know, places like the Comedy Store, the Improv, and stuff like that. And it, uh, they, they've all said that. Like, it's made them better comedians to be able to really fine-tune a set mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Yeah. It's hard, too. I mean, because constantly in this, uh, in this line of work, you, you're always feeling like you're getting to a certain level, mm-hmm. but then going back to the beginning. Like, you, sure. then you're at the bottom again. Right. And having, you know, sort of gotten headline status right. in Canada and then going down there and realizing I didn't know how to do a five-minute set or a, right. a three-minute set. Yeah. It was like, okay. But that would make you a better comic and, and does because yeah. you're cutting out all the crap. Right. There's that whole that, – that old saying, uh, too much porch, not enough house. Right, right. So like too much setup, yeah. not enough punchline is not what enough. that yeah, – I forget exactly. who said that, but yeah. I love that line. because like yeah, that. Just, yeah. You're getting rid of all the unnecessary words and getting to the funny part quicker. Right, right. One thing I did notice with the U.S. comics, though, there, there was a lot less personality. Right. Because there's just not enough time. So you're just sort of – it's more about the the written joke at right. that point, as opposed to getting into the character. Yes, yeah. which I felt like you could have just given to the next comic that went up, like with the same act, and they could have said the same things, and that person could have gotten a laugh too. Right. right. While as I think it's great to have more personality in it, but I guess that's where the challenge comes in: is that the guys that do can make that tight three minute set right. and make it theirs. Yeah. Then that's when you're. Yeah. You're gonna go running. You know? What was your experience like living in Los Angeles? Did you did you find that it was first off? Where did you live? In I Los lived Angeles? in uh, Studio City. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I lived in Venice Beach for years. Oh, rub it in, why don't <laughs> you? Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I had to check under my car for homeless people every every morning of before course, I moved my car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously one of the huge epicenters of of, of comedy and, mm-hmm. and you know showbiz and entertainment and stuff like that. Did you find it hard to assimilate down there? I mean, I know a lot of comedians that have uh, that have historically gravitated towards bigger markets like New York and Los yeah. Angeles they're reminded very quickly of where they sit on the totem pole as well though mm-hmm. like there's a lot of I mean you can go into the comedy store and end up following you know Rogan or, or, oh, dude, or someone was, like that I was at right? the improv on a Tuesday night and Dane Cook walks in <laughs> and bumps us and does 40 minutes <laughs> and, I, and, and I turn behind me and Sean Waynes is sitting behind me and that's oh, it's just it, that's the epicenter that's right. where the biggest comics in the world are trying to fly under the radar and work on their new shit yeah. and you know so there's not a lot of hype around them they'll just bust in you know Um, but my experience was cool I mean like I went down there um, just knowing that inevitably I need to go south I mean that's not some a lot of Canadian comics get actually kind of bothered by that because they want to keep the thing up here and and the support and and of course I would like to but right now it just there's just 
it's a bigger tank. Yeah. The ceiling yeah, yeah. is limitless down there. While sure. here, it seems like there is um, a, a ceiling. Um, but I went down there uh, just knowing that I, the sooner I went down, the better, or at right. least thinking that. Sure. Um, I went down with the intent to polish the other side of comedy and take classes at the Groundlings, right. uh, which I did. Famous group, man. Yeah. Amazing. And Will yeah. Ferrell went there. Jimmy yeah. Fallon went there. Kristen Wiig. Wow. Um, and there was a feeder to Saturday Night Live. So right. now that I'd done stand-up for 10 years or so, I wanted to go back into the improv thing and just see if I could even do it. Sure. I wanted to, to translate my comedy to on-screen and, and figure out how to act. Right. So I took those classes and did stand-up at night. And, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of comics. There are a lot of comics <laughs> hanging outside of the comedy store. And the problem is, too, is that a lot of them say that they're comics right. um, and have websites, but they don't have any more than seven minutes. Right. So right. How, are, how am I tr- going to try to convince the guy that's booking it that, no, 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 dude, I'm really a, a comic <laughs> versus this other guy right. who might actually have a better three-minute set? Probably does. <laughs> But I, I, the guy can't prove that yet. And he's right. like, oh, really? You're, and he's been doing it for two years. So there's a whole whack That's of market, guys. tough market, man. It, it's a dude, tough market. So I definitely see the value of going down there with representation now already. People vouching for you sure. after doing a couple of the big festivals, you know, and, and uh, as opposed to going down and just starting from scratch. Right. But either way, I mean, I, I still think that the sooner that you get down to New York or L.A., the better. Because you get that momentum. You make those relationships. You learn how to do those shorter sets. And, right. It's going to suck because you're going to starve. I wasn't making money down there. so That seems to be the pretty common theme around there. Unless mm-hmm. you find some type of racket to get into, uh, it's definitely tough to make a living. I mean, you're, you're used, most of the time, most of the people that I, I've even met down there mm-hmm. in the entertainment business, were, were, you know, they have stories of shacking up with other you know, roommate or, you know, uh, yep. comedians or, or entertainers or actors or whatever. And uh, it's a tough, tough market to get into. You've since moved back to Toronto. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. I went and did uh, Scotland first and then uh, moved, to, moved to Toronto right after. What was Scotland? Like, it was killer. Everybody I talked to says Scotland's amazing. I didn't. Th- I had never performed in the UK before. Right. Uh, they've got a different format. They do like two intermissions, right. and a headline set is uh, twenty minutes. Oh, okay. The, the okay. longest one I did was twenty-five. Right. But it was the Stand Comedy Club in Glasgow and in Edinburgh. Right. And they were just dynamite. The first couple of shows that I did, I was actually more nervous than I'd been in a long time. Right. Like I was shaking and that, I hadn't had that feeling forever, but I just didn't know what words were going to translate. Sure. Because I've been there before. Like in Australia, some words mean something different right. that they do here. Yeah. So over there, I'm going up there and I'm like, I don't even know what jokes to tell. <laughs> so I, I think um, the first couple were a slow start. Right. But I, by the end of the set, I, I figured them out. Man. But then... Um, the last six or whatever it was were just a hoot. Crushing it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like s- such a thrill. <laughs> and the clubs were amazing. They really look after you there, too. They pay wow. you well. And yeah. Yeah, it was dynamite. Where, where do you like to perform the most? Do you like coming back to Canadian crowds? Do you like the diversity of some of the American? I mean, because obviously... Canada is, in my experience, is a very funny place. I haven't been out east a lot, obviously. I haven't been out east very much at all. But... I have noticed, even from the West Coast, even to Alberta, to stuff like that, crowds are, are you know, fairly similar as far as uh, what they appreciate in comedy. The States, you can really get into some interesting markets oh, down dude, there. Oh, dude, if you cross a border, like, it's it's a totally in, different in America, thing. it's yeah. like a completely different place. That yeah. blew me away, yeah. how different every place is in the U.S. But you're right. Yeah. Um, in, in Canada, I mean, sure, there are slight differences. There are certain places that are a little more PC, like in sure. Vancouver, right. um, as opposed to out in St. John's, Newfoundland, right. Or, right. or something, which I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're not, or they're cheeky or, or rednecks or anything like right. that. Just I think that they're a little more loose with their humor and, sure. and fun and just like having a good time and Right. But the the scale isn't that 
wide. You know, right, it's it's right. not that big of a difference. Um, where do I prefer? I, I don't. I, I mean, it's all different. Yeah. I personally, I think the biggest thrill is going to a new market and killing, right? And or figuring out how to kill after a few shows. You know, because yeah, yeah. that's what keeps you on your toes. I mean, definitely. You do the same circuit in Canada a few times. I mean, it's great. It's awesome. It's a living. You try new material. You know, you build relationships. But right. But when you're going to new places all the time, it's you're working. Yeah, definitely. So, I was just having this conversation with, uh, I think it was with Michael Harrison, about taking some of that innocence out of comedy. I mean, obviously, you've been in this in this game for a while. 11 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still have the same appreciation for comedy as when you first started? Do you? Because obviously, there's a lot of people out there who I, I've met headliners that, you know, they'll come in and they'll watch the host, you know, start off with this. They'll kind of get a feel for the crowd and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people also that that will look at a at a headliner and just say, "Oh, so and so, I know he's gonna, I know he's gonna kill it out there." Yeah. So there's no point in going. Like some of that innocence in comedy might be lost because you you want to see someone get dig themselves out of something or or if the crowd turns on them <laughs> to see if they can if they can pull it off. I think that that's more of a uh, <laughs> a comic watching comics kind, yeah. of, kind of opinion. <laughs> I think that's where that's coming from. We like to see that. We get off on that that's, that yeah. scary riding the fence taking right. risks thing and yeah. oh my god, this guy's inconsistent. Is he going to shit the bed tonight or right. is he going to kill? Yeah. So that's I think comes from us, but for an audience member who doesn't come to a, a show a lot that feeling when they feel yeah. like a joke may or may not work right that is so uncomfortable for some people yeah that they might not come back to a <laughs> to a club but um i'd say that i've got a bigger a, a higher appreciation for for comedy now honestly because i came into it so blind mm-hmm. i didn't come into it worshiping stand-up and having stand-up idols i came into it because i wanted to check it out and, and people that i really admired had come from stand-up right so i fell in love with it throughout doing it and my respect just keeps building yeah and you know the, the the tactic and the approach to a headline set keeps changing too yeah like before when you first start you want to be set you want to do your stuff that no works right. sandwich your new stuff in the middle right and then close strong as well yeah but now oh dude like i've just you you gain faith in yourself right and now i'm opening with all new until until the new stuff runs out or doesn't work anymore and then you get into your act right and then maybe try switching your closing bit it's actually really fun just the construction of of your set now and just messing around with it and seeing how how weird you can make it that's amazing and survive that's crazy Mm. that is crazy i dig do you when you go to a a new market do do you find like you you try to play something safe depending on the crowd or or do you want to you know do you want to go out there and just take and you know take risks uh you want to you still i you have the urge to still do the same thing that you're having fun with like opening with the new stuff right um but i i've learned a couple of times <laughs> that you should maybe feel out Some a new, new city first right because yeah certain things have not worked <laughs> and it's been very <laughs> uncomfortable um so yeah uh, but that said, I don't know if I, I'm going to change it either. Yeah. You just want to have faith in your jokes, but yeah. it depends on, I guess, what's riding on it. Like if you're if you're doing like a TV taping or a spot or something like that, then of right. course you're going to want to construct it a little more sensibly. But definitely. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you and you've spent some time on on stage acting and stuff like that. Obviously, you've been on you've been on TV. Is that something that you're interested in going back to? Yes, actually, that's a big part of the reason that I've moved back to Toronto. Right. Um, uh, LA was great and I intend to go back maybe New York but I really just wanted to get those groundlings courses under my belt right 
and my acting agent is situated in Toronto. Right. And uh, she basically said that I can get a lot more happening for you here in Toronto as opposed to pitching you in all these different cities. Right. So I moved there. She's working hard. I had five auditions just this past week, three in one day that had like full scripts and everything. And I'm not used to it, dude. Like I have not acted for 10 years. There's a lot of, yeah. Oh my God. And it's amazing how you can, I can be totally fine on a stage in front of 200 people, but then going into a room with six people, just quiet with these cameras and slating the other day, my, I I had to stop, like physically stop my hand from shaking. (laughs) And I, like I tried to make a joke with it with these people, but you're out of breath. Oh yeah. Like, it is nerve-wracking. Oh, I so can imagine. I'm man. looking forward to getting past that because I, I intend to really put my focus uh, into getting back on screen and trying to to make it as an actor as well. What about writing? I know that you're, you know, like you said that you you've experienced some some writing and stuff like that. Is that something that that you want to? Yeah, you know, I I don't know if I'm any good at it. No, I do want to tap into it. Right. But that's I think that's all a part of the learning thing is figuring out what you're good at. And and I may be terrible at acting. I may be terrible at writing. But right. Uh, right now, uh, that's not uh, on a, a top priority. Mm-hmm. But um, I would, once I get back into sketch and improv, I would love to uh, to learn to write sketches. And, and we'll see how that does, because there's a lot of lines of work that can derive from that, too. Yeah. What has been your experience like in Toronto since you've been uh, back? Obviously, um, you said you're, you're you know, obviously keeping busy with uh, auditions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like the comedy scene there is, is just as vibrant as it is at other uh, places? Yeah, it's, it's definitely the most... Uh, vibrant in Canada. I right. mean, well, maybe vibrant is the wrong word, but it's definitely the biggest one. Is a more simple way of putting it. Yeah. Um, just it's the bigger city, and it's where all the comics move to because all the TV stuff, for the most part, and, right. and film is there. Uh, and there's a lot of rooms. You can hit three, four rooms a night sure. every every night of the week. Um, and everyone's been really supportive so far. I've really only hit a couple different rooms, and mostly just at Yuck Yucks, my right. home club. Right. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going great. Like yeah. the the club dates are are good. Like at the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club. But then these other bar gigs, right? Totally different thing, man. You have to. You really yeah. just have to learn how to play all the different venues. Absolutely. And and do you? Because I mean, obviously, like I said before, historically, there's been a lot of people who they'll they'll get some you know great success in some Canadian markets, but ultimately they always feel this kind of magnetic pull to go to these other markets like mm-hmm. New York or, or uh, you know, uh, Los Angeles. Is that something that, that you think ultimately you need to go to to be successful or yeah, is there well, enough in un- Canada un- to make it happen? Unfortunately, I do think that just based on what specifically it is that I want to do and it's TV and film. Right. And sure, that's in Canada, but again, a limit. Yeah. So I, I do, I am sort of earning my chops in Toronto and, uh, trying to build up an acting resume yeah. so that I can go down there and, and be there more permanently. Right. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Toronto might last a few years. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to fight as hard as I can, man. And, and we'll see if something turns up in Canada, like if I get a show or something here, right. Then wicked. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, I mean, the big picture is in, is in the States. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The big show. The (laughs) the big show. When you look at comedy influences in your life and you, you look at people that you look up to in the business right now, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the names that resonate with you? Mm. Well, Louie, it's hard to deny seems Louis. To be, yeah, he's he seems just, to be just a genius. It's a, he, I just can't like I listen to him every day. Yeah, he's just hysterical. Like I mean, not even from a comics perspective. I just right. am a fan. Yeah, um, Doug Stanhope. I love him. Greg Fitzsimmons. You know oh, Fitzdog? Absolutely. If, yeah, you're a podcast guy. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Know he's got a great, great show. Oh, yeah. he's the shit. Mm-hmm. I, I went down to San Francisco to see him. Uh, his live show is just awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know Bill Burr. Bill um, Burr's great. You too, know, and yeah. it's really fun also watching a lot of these guys that are sort of coming up. 
Yeah. But I, I tend to like the edgier dudes. I like Daniel Tosh. I like the yeah. guys that are like, fuck you to this PC shit that's going <laughs> right, on. Right, right. Everyone take it easy. Yeah. Like, fucking seriously relax, yeah. everyone. <laughs> and to me, that is such a satisfying perspective. Yeah. Because why are we... Like, I understand that there's shit that's going on in the world and that people have been discriminated against, but it's like, guys, we're all going to die. <laughs> We're all gonna die, <laughs> sticks and stones. Let's just say fuck it and not worry about what you know. If you don't care about someone's opinion, yeah, then don't let their words bother you. Yeah, you know, I was uh, interviewing uh, Sam uh, Tripoli, and, oh, yeah. and Sam has got such a great outlook on that. He's like, you know what? I, if I'm paying twenty bucks, I want to see some crazy shit. He's like, yeah. Uh, what was one of the things he said? Uh, the best. Uh, he said some guy at the San Francisco Zoo <laughs> got eaten by a lion. He said the next day it was fucking packed. Like he <laughs> yeah, said, like. like if somebody told me that somebody had a you know one in ten chance of getting eaten by a line at the Calgary Zoo, he's like, I would be there today. Like, yeah, it's totally. the best thing to do. Live on the edge. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. That's that's. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> you know. Have you ever thought about going back to Australia as far as performance wise? Have you ever thought about going back to yeah. some of the roots? Yeah, the I went down and played the Laugh Garage in Sydney a few right. years ago, and it was really fun. Yeah. And I was nervous too because I didn't. Uh, when I was starting out, a lot of my stuff was just Australia focused, right? And it was Australian in Canada jokes, yeah. which would not work there, right? But uh, by the time I went down, I had enough material that it just it boosted my confidence huge. Yeah. Um, Right now, it's just too far away, and I've, I'm trying to just get a, a ball rolling in Canada. Right. Um, that I feel like that would take away from that momentum. Yeah. But it's great, because I do hold an Australian passport, so anytime I can go down and, and tour. Oh, that's beautiful. The thing is, is though, is that like the cities in Australia are so far away from each other. Yeah. It's like yeah. Canada. Yeah. Like yeah, Sydney yeah. and Melbourne, which look close on a map, that's right. a 12-hour drive. Holy shit. A Perth to Sydney is that's a like six-hour flight. Wow. So that's coast to coast. Yeah. So that's the equivalent to Vancouver and Halifax. That's crazy. Which, you know, people don't realize that that's how that's big a of a country haul. it is. Totally. So wow. you go down there and, you know, you've really got to structure a tour wisely. Yeah. Because it's not like you can just hop on the Amtrak <laughs> in the U.S. And, <laughs> just, and be in, in, you know, like I was down in Delaware and Philly. Like I caught the train from uh, Wilmington, Delaware to, right. to Newark, New right. Jersey. Right. And within like two hours, I went through Philly, New York City, oh, yeah. Newark. Uh, New Jersey. Yeah, or yeah. somewhere else in Atlantic City or something like that. Right, right. And like, I couldn't believe how many major cities I'd gone through. Boston yeah. was nearby too. DC Crazy. was right there. So yeah. yeah, it's not like that in Oz. Today, in this day and age, obviously, we've got a ton of very instant comedy fame. We've got stuff like uh, Last Comic Standing. We've got YouTube people out there who are making videos. In your opinion, does that cheapen the art at all? Does that does that give people a like if if you get somebody who thinks that becoming a comedian is is just going and waiting in line and 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 going to audition for two or three minutes mm-hmm. for for some people, uh, does that take away from the battle, the fight that you got into when you were fifteen, sixteen years old, when you're out there earning your chops? Um. You know, I th- it's. It, I don't think there's really any sense in dwelling on that because that's just the way that everything's going. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I try not to to be too bothered by that. Right. Um, that said, um, I feel like those people that do come up in that way are very quickly going to be weeded out. Right. I mean, sure, they might do well on Last Comic Standing, but any kind of a career after that, they've got no chops. Right. Um, it's just gonna sort itself out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing that does bother me a little bit is from an audience's perspective, when they watch this stuff happen right. and they think that that's how comics come up, yeah. they, I think, have less respect yeah. to an extent and feel like they have more of a right to say, oh, no, I didn't like how you did this. This guy did this and that on the right. show and that right. and that. And it's like, well, 
that's totally different. Yeah. You are uneducated in this topic. <laughs> you have no right to lecture me. Go fuck yourself. Right, right. So, but you know, I, I don't think it cheapens it because, again, I, I think that whatever career they're going to have following whatever big show that they got on is going to be limited. They're going to get found out pretty quick. For sure. Yeah. But, um, it's an opportunity. You yeah. know, my friend Lachlan Patterson, uh, he, dynamite comic, came up the whole way, did all the road gigs for so many years in Canada. Right. Uh, did just for laughs, you know. Uh, and then he moved down to LA and he did Last Comic Standing and he came second. Holy shit. Um, and, you know, I, I really don't think that he would have gotten to that level without having the experience that, that he had. Yeah. Uh, Lachlan's benefit uh, was, he, and, you know, I'm sure this was a conscious thing, sure. was that he, he made quicker jokes and he had more straightforward and straight to the point jokes. And, and also they were cleaner as well. So it, right. it worked when his shot on NBC came. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now I, from what I understand, he's touring a ton down there and even placing second place, he's done great. Which, again, if a guy went into that cold and just had his quick, you know, few minutes to do on the show, right? He wouldn't have made it nearly that far. Yeah, so. it's funny, you know, because, you know, I'm 40 years old, so I'm, I'm a late starter in Looking the game. Good, man. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no but I mean, even like going, and I don't consider myself a, a, a comedian. I think it's, it's one of those, it was one of those situations where if I'm going to be interviewing comedians, if I'm going to be, you know, getting inside the head of, of, of people who are out there putting it on every single night. I got to go out there and experience some of that stuff myself and feel what it's like to stand in front of a crowd of 200 people and feel what it's like to stand in a crowd of like 10. Yeah. And uh, it's a very humbling experience. But the one thing that's funny that you would mention was what people's perception is of what comedy is all about and the career, the trajectory that people have. People don't understand that people have been doing this for such a long time. Yeah. Even the first couple of gigs, I've had friends go, well, how much did you get paid for that? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, are they paying you for that? Do they mm -hmm. pay? And I'm like, I'm lucky I'm just getting on stage. Yeah. Like, just yeah. to share the stage with some of these people has been unbelievable. Like, mm -hmm. just to have that experience. Is that what you kind of feel like people's perception is like, you know, like, what's the family support like? Did you have your mom going like, what uh, the fuck are you no, doing? No, my, my family to... has been pretty awesome um, all around. Uh, I've got some a little bit of flack from my stepdad, but nothing, you know, like, oh, what the... He, he's just said a couple times, when are you going to get a real job right. sort of thing. <laughs> but he's living on the other side of the planet, doesn't fully understand the... Right. Uh, and plus, what, what does that matter? Like, I'm doing yeah. what I want to do. Right. But my family has been pretty good about it. But, um, yeah, people's perception of how you come up is a little bit of an annoying thing. Because if you do a joke in a place that doesn't work or it's a little bit off, then they yeah. feel like they have a right to cut you down for it. Sure. And, and, and not just cut you down, but educate you. Right. They think that they're coming from a place where they can be like, no, just so you know, as an audience member, and I'm the one that's teaching you, so you're welcome. Right, right. For the, and it's like, no, screw you. Like, the, I'm, I'm the comic. I'm going to tell you what's funny. Yeah. I'm taking risks. If it doesn't work, that's a part of my job. Exactly. Um, so exactly. it's that entitlement. Have you worked in pretty annoying. hostile environments? Have you had any yeah, gigs that have just gone sideways? Not for many, because I mean, you do learn how to fix that if it is falling apart. But right. of course, there's been some nightmare situations <laughs> where where maybe the venue didn't set you up properly. Right? Um, you know, they didn't set you know, give you the right sound equipment or, or yeah. spotlight, sure. or they, they're not policing the room and shushing everyone. Right. Um, right. But you know, then again, like what I was telling you before, when I went down to Portland, uh, I did a, a show at a venue. It was like super hipster, yeah, super PC. Right. And I'm telling a couple of my newer jokes that had been not even newer, but they were just working, but they were edgy. Right. And certainly not racist, certainly not homophobic. Sure. But I said 
black. I'm right. saying black guy. Right. Nothing to do with him. It was just a black guy. Right. And then, you know, another one I say gay guy. Right. And people hear these trigger words right. in certain rooms like this. Start to get their back up. And they up get their back up and yeah. just automatically turn on you, right. which I think is appalling because that if you're just getting your back up over the the word yeah. that suggests to me that first of all you feel these people need defending sure and you're defending you're getting offended on their their behalf on their and behalf. second of all yeah. it's suggesting as well that you think that that's a bad thing right listen to the joke right like you're you're, you're trying to be progressive this sure. is backwards if we can't talk about real shit right listen to the joke if, if it's racist or if i'm saying something derogatory about this person then that's and comedy really is supposed to be the last saving grace for for free speech. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for people to get up on stage and say, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm gonna sit and watch this guy or this or this girl for for twenty thirty minutes and allow them to talk about what they find is funny. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are just like overly sensitive now? Um, yes, yeah. people, yes, <laughs> people, they are, and I, I think people need to just fucking relax, relax a bit. Yeah. Um, there's that, but um. Uh, yeah, people people are getting a little too, a little too. They get offended very easily. They do, and I'm trying to figure out what exactly it is, but whatever. I think I think it's going to pass. I think it's a wave right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hope so, man. What's next up for you? I mean, obviously you're in Toronto. You're laying roots down. You're going for auditions. Ultimately, for Garrett, where do you where do you see yourself, man? Um, well, the next few years is yeah, grinding it out in Toronto, doing right. stand up, trying to develop my act, yeah. um, get on as many high profile gigs and festivals that I can, yeah. um, and and acting really. My focus, I'm trying to put it into getting on screen and seeing what I can accomplish there. Yeah. But other than that, I really want to start um, taunting New York City a little bit, right? Because now that I'm east, you know, I've done the LA thing for yeah. a brief period. I want to see what New York has to offer and just see. Does that see appeal to you though, New York? I New mean, York it seems like. It's such yeah. a it's such a hard market over it, there and but, very expensive and, yeah. and all that stuff. But it does appeal um, just because everything is there, right? Um, and it's such a cool city too. So yeah, you know it's it's an adventure right now because I'm kind of at this point for the first time I'm kind of a little bit blind as to where it's all taking me. Right. But I'm just trying. I'm trying really hard to get into all these different walks and just seeing what what it brings me. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's crazy, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. How can people find you? Uh, GarrettClark.com or the Twitter thing, which I'm not very good at. Yeah, you're dude, amazing you've got, at it. You've got, you've, got, you've got some great jokes on I've there, got man. some good tweets. You've I'm, got not getting, I'm not getting shit for them. them. I think I favorited one last night at like nice. 2 o'clock in the Thank morning. You. Yeah, I think because it was a dog like and peanut just, butter joke. That I'm just... about to like delete them all and just retweet them again. Like, just like do them again now that I've got a couple more followers. Because oh, I feel man. like this shit's getting lost yeah, in gotta, space. Yeah, you got to bring up some of the old stock and refresh it, man. You've got some dynamite jokes on there. Thanks, buddy. So yeah. Yeah, anyway, Garrett A. Clark on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's really it. Facebook, Garrett Clark, whatever. The, the typical social media stuff. Instagram, Garrett A. Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, it's been a pleasure. All right. And there you have it. Mr. Garrett Clark, our guest today. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. What a great guy, man. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Great guy. Hey, go check us out online. Yuckyucks.com. Check me out on Twitter at Yuck. At Yuck. What the hell am I talking about? At Jake Hirsch EG. Go check out our producer, Kira. She's on Twitter. Mark Bresden's on Twitter. Everybody's on Twitter. I think everybody's on Twitter except for Camille. Get on Twitter, Camille. Please. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. On behalf of myself, your host, Jake Hirsch, Mr. Mark Breslin, producer, Kira Williams. Can't forget about Fatima. We love Fatima. Thank you, Fatima. 
And of course, Mixmaster, Webmaster on the one, twos, and threes, Camille. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.